You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7 Sports, formerly of Scout.com. Today's show, we will talk about all the uh, additions to camp, the free agent signings, and who else has been invited. I thought for sure the Indians' 40-man was full, but I did not see a corresponding move with the addition of Eddie Rosario, so I guess I was wrong. Uh, we'll have to you know, see what occurs with the rest of these guys. I'm pretty sure one of the additions is guaranteed a roster spot. So they're going to have to make a move sooner and sooner than later in that way. And then if we have time, I do have the best and worst third-round picks in Indians history. So without any more talk, let's dive into what the Indians have done. They added some minor league free agents, mostly arms. So let's just, I mean, let's not bury the lead. Brian Shaw, second all-time in Indians history in appearances, he uh, has been awful since he left Cleveland. Like, I was, uh, I'm fine with him on a minor league contract. Uh, you look at those final years in Cleveland, the home run rate started to tick up over one. The walk rate started to rise. The strikeout rate was actually okay. And, and at the end of the day, like, he was a solid, durable, throw him out there type of guy. The fact that he three times led the major league major leagues in appearances and still kept uh, you know a, a FIP around four or under four. He was excellent. He was an awesome addition. And I think sometimes people forget it's like we always talk about trading you know the one year Shinshu Chu and Jason Donald um, to get you know for the Indians so they could in turn get uh, Trevor Bauer. But that was also got Brian Shaw and Matt Albers in that deal. Like while Albers was one Albers was one year. He was great for that one year, and Shaw was fantastic. He brought so much value. Uh, that's one of those great trades because the Indians got, you know, uh, a pitcher who was a reliable mid-rotation starter when they had nothing. That was when that pitching staff was just awful, and they couldn't buy a pitcher. And then everything else happened, and now they're the complete opposite. And then went out and got Shaw, who, I mean, from 2013 through 2017 was great for them. Colorado is not an ideal pitching environment, and then he goes to Seattle last year, and it's six innings, so there's nothing really to take away from those stats. I'm a little bit curious to see his 2018 and 19 splits to see if you know there's any hope there. Uh, if you listen to the podcast regularly, uh, I called them inviting Shaw on a minor league contract. Now, I called it last year when, when uh, Colorado cut him. It took them another year to uh, to get him. To come to Cleveland, that should not really be a surprise, though, that he is back. That if he is going to sign a non-roster, uh, free a non-roster invitee contract, a minor league contract, the Indians make the most sense as an organization he knows very well. Uh, that's interesting. His home away splits in Colorado, he pitched much better at home than on the road. Okay, <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Uh, so what you might expect was not the case. He was actually more effective at home. Uh, what year am I looking at here? 20 in 2019 In 2018, he was, mm, he was better away. 
uh, not really great in either one, um, if we were being honest. I don't think, you know, he's... What do you really expect him to have at this point in time? You're talking about a 33-year-old pitcher who uh, was run into the ground by Terry Francona. He has a chance because, again, Tito loves him and uh, the Indians are good at revitalizing pitchers, and we'll see. Uh, No matter what, though, I'm totally on board with bringing back someone who was such an important part of those teams. And, I mean, if he makes the team, he's like him and Jose Ramirez are the last connections then. And I just laugh because it's like, yeah, so they went on sign him on my only contract, but, I mean, these are the last connections from that World Series team. If he stays, um, it's unlikely. Let's just be fair. Let's be honest. But, uh, yeah, he's one of the three arms they invited. I thought the oddest was DJ Johnson, a right-handed pitcher, six foot four. Uh, spent all of 2020 in China. He, uh, another Colorado pitcher, only about 31 innings in the bigs. In the minors, he did have some success missing bats. Um, not sure what the Indians necessarily see there. If they think there's something that they can uh, figure out with him, uh, he wasn't. He was okay in Japan. He wasn't like great, and it was only 40 innings across multiple leagues. So there's not really much you can take away from that data in general. But he's, you know, he's had seasons where he's struck out, you know, 13.7 per nine, 12.6, 12.8. He's had some big strikeout years in the minors. Uh, a guy the Indians had who was like that, who had big strikeout numbers in the minors and couldn't seem to translate it, was D, was a uh, he DJ Johnson is the guy I'm talking about now. The previous guy was Kirby Yates, who we talked about in his month with the Indians. I don't know if anything's going to necessarily happen with DJ Johnson. I just thought he was, uh, you know, an interesting player that they added, who again spent all of last season in Japan. They also brought in Mike Freeman, who is going to make the team. That's the guy where I'm like, they are going to. He's going to be the backup infielder. It, I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's going to make the team. They're going to have to make a spot for him. It's just going to happen. Like, there's no point in debating it. He will be there. Uh, it doesn't matter how bad he plays. He is a favorite with Terry Francona, and he plays the game with the Indians where at the end of the season they cut him, they bring him back, he makes the minimum, which, and you know, there's no raises going on for him. And he, you know, they, they cut him and open up the roster spot and have that extra space that they need when it comes time to for the Rule 5 and the like. So, you know, he's a he's a team player, as it were. And then the last guy, maybe the most interesting of the group to me, Heath Hembry, who they also added on minor league contract, uh, started out in San Francisco, went to Boston. And, I mean, you look at him from 2015 to 2019, he was Boston's version of Shaw. Like, you know, gave up some home runs, uh, struck out a lot of bats, pitched a lot of innings. I, the issue always was home run rate was always pretty high, 1.6 for his major league career. Walk rate at his best years in Boston, those early years, he was keeping it around three. Uh, the final two years, it jumped up to the fours, and in Philadelphia it was over four when he was traded there. He actually wasn't too bad. And again, 2020 data as a reliever. He had nine innings in Boston. There's not a whole lot to glean from nine innings and nine innings in Philly. Not a whole lot to glean from that either. You go back to his 2019 data, and the FIP was up to 4.78. The you know the the overall numbers, he was not being used as much because he was not as effective, uh, and that was his age 30 year. He started to show some signs of a typical aging curve. 
we'll see. You know, it again, what's it really? Con- if he it wasn't intra- interesting the minor league contract he got because if he makes the team, he makes like one point two five million. So it's one of those minor league contracts that actually has some big money tied to it if he sticks with the team. So that does show a degree of interest, um, and that's that's what they're gonna probably be doing is contracts like this. Uh, they'll look to add. They still haven't added. A, I don't believe Hembry's a lefty, right? He's another righty. Yeah, he's a righty. So they've just added a bunch of righties. They still have like no lefties uh, in camp outside of Kyle Nelson. So I would be curious to see um, if they add anyone. If you missed it, uh, Chafin resigned with the Cubs. So that goes the uh, player that I talked about on a podcast last week. Someone I would love to see them target. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're at that point of free agency. They don't have any money left. This is throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks. Time and maybe. You know, you find Scott Atchison or Jeff Manship or Matt Albers, where for a while, as every single year, there was someone there pulling off the scrap heap. Now that player could only pitch well for one year. For whatever reason, it was uh, always one and done. But, uh, you know, at least Hembry has that history of success. Um, on the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the prospects that were announced as non-roster invitees, and then we will talk about... You know the uh, the greatest and worst third round picks in team history, and we have sponsors. And I'm going to literally just read the ad copy on these. Uh, so if you're like, "What's up with that?" Just I'm reading my literal ad copy. Are you ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season. There's some big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer. There's only one place that you covered it in one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for your free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. You know, they'll put a, a line on anything. The You want to make sure you're going to bet online and checking things out. They put a line out this week um, on players testing for COVID that if you were quick enough to jump on, there were already, the, if you the, the over had already been reached. So you never know what's, uh, what people are going to request, what's going to pop up, and you might see a line like that where it's free money. Just go take advantage of it. And again, you never know what you're going to find on betonline.ag. I guess I'm just not going all ad copy here. Uh, but don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our exclusive partner at BetOnline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your sign-up bonus. Hashtag BetOnline. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterman orders the parts in his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like your mortgage or your f- or food. Why choose to spend 30 50 or 100% more on the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Uh, they give us this random example that for a Delphi FG 1456 fuel pump, for a Honda Odyssey, uh, $359.99 at Advance, $216.79 at Rock Auto. 
chain stores have different price tiers for professionals, mechanics, and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everyone and are reliably low. RockAuto offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everyone and does not require membership or an account login. But when you go to RockAuto.com, uh, go there right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in the How'd You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Locked on MLB, locked on Indians, just some form of locked on. So they know that you heard about us, you heard about them through us, that their advertising dollars were well spent. Uh, family owned business, American owned business, uh, easy one to support. RockAuto.com, right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box. Locked On Today is our newest podcast. It's going to be one of our specialty shows. Get more sports you need in less time with Locked On Today. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from local experts. Start your day with all the sports you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. So, non-roster invitees. These are guys who are invited to camp. No guarantee. Not on the 40-man, basically. Uh, listed in this group, Mike Freeman, who we already talked about on that minor league deal. I'm assuming, while they did not list, Brian Shaw, DJ Daniels, um, and Heath Hembry, that they will all also be invited. Uh, but other names, uh, Nick, nope, none of these guys are on the 40-man. Uh, Nick Sandlin, not on the 40-man, but could be the next reliever up for this team. Second-round pick out of SMU, fast-tracked as a reliever, was basically going at the same uh, pace in terms of getting to the majors as James Karinchak. Uh Both got hurt about the same time back in 2019. Now, Karinchak made it back and eventually made it up to the big leagues. Sandlin missed the entire rest of that year. A uh, bit of a side army approach, but uh, was a starter in college. Good stuff. They drafted him in the second round as a reliever. Fast-tracked him. Uh, you'll see him this year in Cleveland. Cal Dowdy, mentioned him before, came over... Uh, he came over with Leonis Martin in the Willie Castro deal. Don't hold that against him. Uh, nice guy, very intelligent, very into the game. Talked to him a few times in the minors as he's pitch charting up in the box in double A. Uh, came to the Indians and saw like a four mile per hour jump in his fastball. He is a solidly built dude taken by the Rangers in the rule five draft uh, a year ago. Did not stick, but I, again, this is not the biggest guy, but <laughs> he's one of the guys I've, Again, nice, nice guy. Not to say anything else, but just you run into him uh, in the locker room, and you're like, that is someone I do not want to mess with. He is just solidly built. I uh, I keep rooting for him. Uh, you got to love those guys who are late-round picks who keep getting close. Uh, Gavin Collins, interesting that he's listed here as a catcher on the MLB.com site as a third baseman. Ooh, why am I blanking on his college? I want to say it was one of the M schools, like uh, Missouri or Mississippi or something like that. Uh, not a great defender as a catcher. Was always drafted third base catcher type. Decent bat. Bat definitely more than glove type. Um, kind of one of those guys through the years I talk with people and they always liked him. Like he wasn't someone you thought was a top 20 prospect. But when you're like, you know who I like further down the line? Gavin Collins' name would come up. I don't know if he's going to hit enough to be a major leaguer and he's not going to defend enough to be a major leaguer. But could he be a better Bo Taylor? I think so. Certainly. Speaking of catchers, uh, the Indians love to have a lot of them in camp. Bo Naylor, top prospect, top catching prospect. Also invited to camp, uh, Ty Freeman. Uh, 
number two prospect and system, in my opinion, uh, invited to camp. And uh, some internal non-roster invitees is what these were listed as. Uh, and, and then Owen Miller, who also came over in that clever GGL, who we have talked about a great deal on this podcast. Uh, I mean, spring training, pitchers and catchers report February 17th. We're getting close. Getting close, people. Okay, round three. This past year, the Indians uh, the Indians spent a lot of money in the third round. Uh, Petey Halpin at $1.525 million is the highest-paid third-round pick in the uh, baseball reference system. Likely is the highest-paid uh, third-round pick they have. Before that, it was Tony Wolters, who did go on to make it to the big leagues. Uh, in terms of pay, the five highest-paid guys, they're all going to be recent. Uh, Wolters in 2010 is the biggest gap between him and this other group. But Halpin, Wolters, uh and again, just a quick note before I continue, that 2010-2011, it's like the shame of it because the Indians started to go spend a ton of money in the draft. And right as they started to be a team that was going to spend more than pretty much, I mean, they were up there spending with teams like the Yankees. Uh, they institute the slot system we have now, which is an interesting system. It, it certainly makes it uh, very interesting, like to try to figure things out and original. But man, uh Right as the Indians are starting to spend, they got cut off at the knees. Uh, Bobby Bradley, 2014, was third highest at a little over 900,000. Joe Naranjo from the 2019 class, another first baseman, uh, just shy of 800,000. And fifth in terms of spending, Aaron Savali, uh, a little over 600,000. Uh, if you want to complete the top 10, should we do there? Mark Matias uh, out of Caltech. A uh, little more than 500. Dice Keim uh, out of Vandy at a little more than 500. Richie Palacios out of Townsend, I believe. I know I could probably look over and see it. Yeah, Townsend. Uh, acting like I don't have a list in front of me. Uh, a little under 500,000. Jason Cooper in 2002, so I don't know where he was a Stanford kid. Um, a little more than... A little less than 500,000. Scott Lewis from Ohio State. Remember him and his time with the Indians? The five games. Uh, 460. Jonathan Rodriguez, 450. Uh, and then I'm, I'm continuing tied with, with him there at 450 is, is Sean Swedlow, who was a catcher out of San Dimas High School, which just makes me think about Bill and Ted, if I'm being completely honest. And the reason I want to talk about Swedlow is he is a contender for Worst third-round pick in Indians history. I don't know why I tried to do a voice there. I went through a lot of names. Um, I went through all of the names, if I'm being honest. I immediately eliminated anyone who actually made it to the big leagues and anyone who did not sign. Uh, that's just the way of it. It is interesting that if you go back, uh, there were times where you could get compensation picks depending on uh, how many... Basically, the way the compensation system worked was a team that signed multiple free agents. I always bring up the example of the New York Yankees. So they signed CC Sabathia and Mark Teixeira. Uh, Teixeira was the higher rated player. So the, I believe he was with the, was he with the Braves or the Rangers when he left? I think the rank, no, the Rangers got a haul from him when they traded him to the Braves. So he's with the Braves, goes into free agency. The Yankees signed him to that contract. Now he was the higher rated one. So the Yankees first round pick, uh, went to the Braves. Now, they also signed CC Sabathia, and since their first-round pick was already gone, that meant Milwaukee only got a second-round pick for CC Sabathia, and were quite annoyed at the time, understandably. But if you signed more guys, you could lose even more picks. So 
the Indians picks go as follows. Uh, they got Gregory Pope as a comp pick for Rick Wise, Jason Cooper, previously mentioned, as a comp pick for Juan Gonzalez, and Jensen Lewis as a comp pick for Omar Vizcal. Let's uh, let's talk about those bad picks. Um, the other thing I, I tended to eliminate as I was going through the data here was guys from the 60s because it was just different. It was so incredibly different in terms of how the prospects and the minors work. So unless they like didn't play at all or barely played, I, I cut them out. Sean Swedlow, listed as catcher on draft day and his draft profile. You go into his internal profile, first baseman, 6'3", 220, 218 games, never got past the Sally League. Uh, OPS for his career was 589. Peak was a 634 as a first baseman again. Uh, it just it wasn't pretty. The one full season, the 106-game season, 146 strikeouts to 28 walks and four home runs. And, again, tied 10th all-time in signing bonus for the third round, uh, drafted in 2000, right? Yes. J.J. Dunn, starting pitcher, drafted in 1993. Uh, There's another J.J. Dunn who was a starting pitcher drafted by the Mariners. One of the other things I can't remember if I mentioned is I also eliminated anyone who made it above double A. So, uh, and then, you know, I I was going to jokingly say Dan Civet follows me on Twitter, so I immediately eliminated him, but he also was eliminated from this uh, bottom competition just because, I mean, he made it to the upper minors. A lot of guys um, you might think about, it's not, you know, Dice Keim was not a pick I loved at the time. He had his issues eventually. I think he got the yips even. Um, And, yeah, but, I mean, he still got the double A, uh, I think about Grant Hawkins is not one of those picks that I really didn't love. I thought it was an overdraft that they took in the second round and he got hurt and had all sorts of issues. But, uh, Hawkins got up the ladder as well. Like to not go up the ladder is what's going to get you in this grouping done 19 games. That's it. Uh, and it is interesting that kind of like, uh, Swedlow their second year, they got a full season and then the next year they got a partial season and that was it. Uh, the one full season, a four three six ERA, like that's not the worst, but uh, five point two strikeouts per nine, four point one walk per nine, uh, had an almost equal strikeout to walk ratios, home run rate was high, not not great, and then the player I finally picked, um, sorry, Bart Mackey, third round pick from uh, Meadowdale High School in Linwood, Washington. Uh, by the way, uh, Dunn, I think I mentioned, high school, Swedlow, high school. Every one of these guys was a high school player, which makes sense because the college guys probably at least got to double A if they were uh, drafted in the third round. Uh, Mackey, only hundred ga- 126 games, so that's less games than Swedlow. Never a full-time starter. Back in the, you know, with Auburn and Batavia and... Wawasu and Bellingham, well, Wawasu and Bellingham, he ended up going over to Seattle uh, for a bit. And with these minor league guys, you don't get the transactions on baseball reference. So I assume that he might have been let go as he was never a priority guy for the Indians. So, yeah, 609 career OPS. Didn't, you know, I'm sorry, uh, 40 strikeouts, 19 walks, three home runs. Uh, I'm sure he's a perfectly nice gentleman. Uh, I don't have any additional information, but he's the worst third-round pick in Indians history. Now, of the players drafted in the third round, uh, 57 players drafted. 20 of those players have made it to the big leagues. 
though of those 20, only 19 were players they actually signed. Scott Ruskin, who they drafted in third round of 1985, did not sign. The top players in terms of value, Dennis Eckersley. Dennis Eckersley has more value than probably like, uh, definitely than the rest of the players in the third round, but I'm betting you could make a case that he's going to have more value than multiple, multiple rounds. After him, Alan Ashby. No, not the pitcher, the catcher. Uh, high school, and that's the thing, both for all their issues with high school kids in the second round, uh, Ashby and Eckersley were both high school kids, California high school kids. Third round pick for Allen came up with the Indians, but most of his like stronger playing seasons were outside. They were later on with Houston, where he stuck around for 11 years, two years in Toronto. I mean, when you got a guy who has a 17-year career, uh, total war of 11.1, that, that's a good value. That is a very good value by the Indians there. Next up, uh, Trader Jerry, Jerry DePoto. That's right, Jerry DePoto is the third highest war of any player in Indians' third-round draft history. Uh, it is interesting that you know, he came up and was actually quite good in 1993 with the Indians. Like, really good. Finished eighth in the rookie of the year. Did you remember that? I didn't. 56 innings, 2.48 ERA, a 3.18 FIP. Uh, by the way, that rookie of the year contest, Tim Salmon won it. Jason Bray, two. Aaron Seeley, three. Wayne Kirby, four. Rich Amaral, five. Brent Gate, six. Troy Neely, seven. DePoto, eight. David Hulse, uh, also tied for eight. Each got one vote. Depoto was excellent. 11 saves, too. Like, <laughs> he was really good that year. And it's one of those things, again, I didn't do my deep dive research on this, but I just wonder what happened. Was it an injury in 94? Because uh, he only pitched 15 innings, and they were 15 bad innings. And in spite of the FIP being kind of solid, when you go and you look at the the 92 data, right? Yes, the 92 data. Uh, no, he just pitched a lot. And he was, in 93, he was really good in AAA, but he just, he never missed a lot of bats. That was always the issue. He didn't walk a lot of guys, but he didn't miss a lot of bats. But it doesn't matter, because uh, he is the third best third round pick in Indians history. Chad OJ coming in number four. John Nunley, outfielder, coming in at five. I always kind of forget that he was an Indians draft pick, someone they actually drafted and signed because again I think about him with Kansas City uh, and for the Indians lost him in the Rule 5 draft that's what happened in, in December 5th of 94 um, so yeah it's just one of those things he ended up elsewhere because the Indians didn't see a spot for him and he ended up finishing 8th in the Rookie of the Year that year just for some random Fun facts, uh, was mostly a backup type, not a huge loss, would have had a hard time breaking through with the Indians, but still, that's good enough for fifth. Ryan Garko comes in at six, uh, pretty brutal as a defender, short peak window. Tied for seventh is Walters and Jensen Lewis. Eighth, Aaron Zavalli, if you're curious, a 1.9. You got to assume that he's going to get at least two war this year. That'd get him up to a 3.9. That would put him solidly into sixth. Um, the rest of the guys who played in the big leagues, we talked about Scott Lewis, Dave Oliver, Wayne Cage, Mark Matthias we talked about, Bob Kaiser, Rick Heiserman, 
Jason Hardick, Joe Skalaski, Bobby Bradley, and Cord Phelps. Uh, Cord Phelps being one of my biggest uh, scouting misses in my lifetime. I don't know a ton of the players. If you're just curious, games played. Uh, you know, we talked about how Eckersley laps the class in terms of uh, war. Uh, Alan Ashby laps the class in terms of games. He has almost a thousand more games than Ryan Garko, who's number two. Uh, then Walters, Nunley, Depoto, and then you have Eckersley, uh, Ruskin, who, as we mentioned, did not actually sign, would be next, then Jason Hardick, who got in 67, and Wayne Cage, who got in 65. Those are two names. I gotta be honest, I don't remember. And these are, and Hardick was, let's see, 1990, so that was in my lifetime, did not ever play with the Indians. Uh, He played with, uh, he was the player to be named later, for uh uh for Thomas Howard. No no. Yeah, he was uh he was part of the cost to acquire Thomas Howard. Fun fact for him. Um Yeah. Uh I mean he like I said he he got a you know, sixty plus games in the majors. Uh Thomas Howard I I have fond memories, but he was not good. Uh, Wayne Cage was in 1971, so that's definitely before my time, and 78-79. 78 numbers, not bad for 36 games, uh, OPS plus of 112. But yeah, that's uh, those are your top in terms of games played, value, and the worst. So just to recap, uh, very clearly, the top two players, I mean, Dennis Eckersley heads shoulders and he's knees above everyone else uh let's be honest he might be ankles above everyone else uh in this grouping Uh, alan ashby stands out and then a lot of guys who are backup replacement level types and then uh i closed out the poor catcher uh like i said sean swedlow uh is up there and he does have the 10th highest signing bonus in team history for this round so that does kind of make him hard to ignore. Who does not make it is Porkchop Pew, because I'm not going to put anyone on that list with a name like that. Uh, there we go. Bart Mackey was the guy who uh, got the, you know, uh, and that's the same year they got that comp pick and took Gregory Pope. So they actually had to pair of third round picks that year. So I hope you enjoyed uh, some of the talk of the best and worst of the third round. Long show today. I had a feeling it was going to go long when I tried to cram this much in. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Indians Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That helps the show a bunch. Let's try to get into the top 10. I need all of you guys downloading. Uh, Thank you all. And for the next year at least, go Tribe.